Welcome to episode 44 of the Tough Draw Talks podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hughes. Appreciate you being along for the ride. Today, we are coming to you from Choctaw Casino and Resorts in Durant, Oklahoma during the Durant Pro Rodeo. They have provided us an amazing location to record these podcasts, and we couldn't be more grateful for their involvement. A world-class resort with 1,700 rooms, 7,400 slots, 100 table games, a new resort, resort pool spanning three acres, and a huge entertainment venue that showcases some of the best musicians in the world. Choctaw is the place to be. Before we get started, though, as much as we appreciate the hospitality of Choctaw, we definitely want to give a big thank you to our presenting sponsor for this year, the Lane Frost Brand. We appreciate everything Stetson and the Frost family has done for us here at Tough Draw in all our ventures, including this podcast. Be sure and visit lanefrost.com for some amazing hats, shirts, and everything Lane Frost. And to celebrate one of the greatest legacies rodeo and sports in general has ever known. Make sure and use our discount code TDT15 to save on your next order. We have our first team roper guest on deck right now, Coleman Proctor. He is a seven-time NFR qualifier, podcast host of the Toter Tales, and late college bloomer getting his degree at the young age of 37. And we definitely feel like we're in store for a fun ride here. Coleman, how's it going today, man? Man, it's great to be here. <laughs> a little bit wet outside. I'm not going to lie. When I pulled in, it I was is. excited because I'm a guy like, you know, I'll valet it. That's just me. That's what I'll do. You know yep, what I mean? Yep. I don't walk in, pitch the keys. And the, I think the trick is I grew up in Oklahoma around all these casinos. And yep. so my trick is you always leave the valet tip money before you walk in, like leave it in the console. <laughs> so when you get back and you're flat broke, you still got something to tip them. Right. <laughs> so I pull in the sign says valet closed. And I'm like, what? And of course my wife's over there. She's like, I got to pee. I got to pee. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll just drop you off. And then, there's nine valet guys. Yeah. So I was like, hey, what's up, fellas? I was like, we, uh, we going to valet this baby or what? They're like, oh, no, no, no. Valet's closed because of the lightning. Oh, man. <laughs> and I thought, you know, man. I don't know how that works as a business model. That it, I get safety. But by the same token, don't you want the customers in there safely? I know. Like, right? what are you paying a valet guy? Like, what's he making probably? You know what I mean? Like, 10 bucks an hour plus tips, yep. you know? Yep. Somebody's going to walk in here and spend some money. I just thought... I got to thinking about that. That's how my mind works. Yeah. And that's what you get when you hang yeah. out with me. No, this, there's no telling where it's going to go. This is going to be fun. So typically we start with icebreakers and usually it's to like bust people's nerves, but I don't yeah. think we have this problem, but we're going to go ahead and do some just because we're trying to do them like Choctaw themed. Are you ready? I love that. Yeah. I'm Cherokee. So bear with me if I don't <laughs> if you know don't. much of the, <laughs> man, I've been playing in a golf tournament today where my wife is my teammate Oh, and man. it's just me and her against the field. You know what I'm saying? How did that so, work? I mean, my nerves are busted. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I don't, I mean, I don't know My where we're going to go that's going to make it worse. But. Yeah. Um, all right. You're here at the casino. You walk up to the bar. What's your drink order? Well, you know, I think that, that that's determined on two things. One, um, pregame. Like, you know, I'm up at the rodeo tonight, so obviously, you know, I won't be indulging in any alcoholic beverages because what I've learned about me is if, if I start early, then that will just absolutely start a, a – just a sequence of events a small army couldn't stop you know what i mean but i know right now i'd be doing a top of chico with lime definitely there you go there you go all right what about uh superstitions or pre-event type rituals you got any you know i think sometimes like if um, if i wear a hat and i haven't won something or i've missed 
like I'll throw that bad boy on the bed. You know what I'm saying? Because I think <laughs> the bed's like the a bed. hat, a hat luck changer. Does that make sense? <laughs> Can be and a then, ruiner or a absolutely positive, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't really. I, I like I, I like routines yeah. just because I like. Um, I don't know. There's so many variables in our game, and then I like being prepared, and I like routines. But uh, you know, sometimes if I haven't been winning, I'll throw a fifty in my pocket. Uh, sometimes if I have been winning and I get a fifty, I might leave it back at the treasure. Sometimes I don't rope with my wallet in my pocket. Yeah. That's more on the days that I'm not been following my fasting ritual, and it's just ain't enough room. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we don't have. I can't. I got to leave the wallet behind. So and now you can pay with everything with your phone, so it works yeah. out. There you go. There you go. I think I know the answer to this, but. Are you the all-in or cautious player? Oh, that's, you know, it's funny because I don't even hardly gamble much anymore because I try not to drink that much anymore. And I think if you Is are going to gamble, they kind of go together. Events. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, like, if, if I'm going to have fun and I'm going to cut loose and I'm going to have a few cocktails, you know, uh, I'm, I'm pretty loose with it yeah. and I'm also not very good. So I yeah. think that goes hand in hand yeah. um, because now like I think when you, when you're on a sober mind and you're like 800 bucks, I could buy my kids something pretty cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But when you were 19, 20, 23, 25, like you didn't have kids. So you didn't have those thoughts. You know what I mean? It's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm cautious when I'm sober, I guess I'd say, <laughs> which is most of the but time. But you're all in if you're not. Yeah. I'm pretty out there. I think uh, a lot of people know me. They, they know that's, that's very true. Yeah. So Choctaw actually just recently renovated their movie theaters, several of them. And if you were going to go sit in one of those movie theaters with like a big bucket of popcorn and you could pick any movie of all time. Of all time? Yeah, what you're throwing up on the screen. Man, I am a movie. uh, I'm a movie guy. So that's a tough one. You know what I'm saying? Like. My wife and I, we used to stop and we would watch like three or four movies in a row. You know what I mean? Yeah. We'd get in there, get the refillable large pop. You oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? You get the deal oh, yeah. going. But uh, it's so funny you say that because we literally on the way up here, I stopped by the movie theater just to see if the new Burt Crasher movie was out because he made a movie about oh. this, his joke about, you know, about being in the mob in Russia yeah, and this yeah. and that. So anyways, I was been wanting to see that one. But man, like a good movie experience. I like a comedy uh, but you're also going to want to maybe shed a tear or two. I don't know. I think I would do like Lonesome Dove because have you seen you yeah. have you seen how nice these movie theaters are? I and I would want to be in there for a while. A while. Long time, right? Yeah. All right. So this one's always kind of a cool question to dive off into the rest of the podcast. But what's the best compliment you've ever received? Uh, that somebody wanted their kid to be like me. You know what I'm saying? Like when you can be a good role model for somebody, that's the best compliment you can, you can have. I think at the end of the day uh, – when it's all done and, and written, you're going to worry more about your character than you are your performances. Yeah. And so anytime definitely. somebody compliments that or, you know, uh, that's that's what I lean on. I think that's the coolest thing in the world. What biggest compliments you can get is to, you know, somebody to aspire their kid to follow in your tracks. So Heck yeah, man. That's a great one. So, you know, I appreciate you jumping in on those. Again, that's usually to, like, loosen people up, but I can tell this isn't going to be a problem. Yeah, I stay <laughs> but, uh, pretty loose. So. <laughs> How did how did you get into rodeo? Did you grow up in the sport? I grew or? up in it. You okay. know, my my dad roped, my mom roped. You know, that's kind of back before, you know, a lot of ladies roped, and yeah. uh, I just grew up in it. Loved it. Loved everything about it. New, you know, it's funny because I, people always ask, like, what would you do if you didn't rodeo? Yeah. And and I love to play golf. I love, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that I love doing. Yeah. But 
I've never had a bad round of golf and went and bought a bucket of balls and practiced for the next six hours. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I've pulled in in the middle of the night and not have, and been in a funk where I wasn't catching as much as I need to. Yeah. And I've kicked the lights on and went to practice. And you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there's a passion with rodeo. And uh, I think it's just, you know, it's, it's in our roots. It's just how we were raised. And, you know, here we're here in the Midwest and there are so many great talents in Oklahoma. You know, I'm a very proud Okie. And there are so many talents that I got to see growing up, you know, that have been born and raised right here in Oklahoma. And so it's been fun to watch. And so it gives you a, a big sense of pride of like, man, you're from Oklahoma. You're supposed to be a cowboy and, okay. and you're supposed to be able to, you know, work hard and rise to the top. Well, very cool. Yeah. So I grew up in West Texas. I grew up over in Lubbock and my grandpa, bet. my grandpa had a ranch out on the cap rock there in, in fluvanna right between post and snyder and all a lot that. of wind yep a lot of wind, Not a lot of a lot trees of but a lot of wind yeah yeah so my uncle and you know several of my family they team roped and stuff i never got into it but uh you know you are actually our first team roper on the podcast and i think you know <laughs> that's a that's maybe one of my biggest accomplishments so far is you know what I'm the saying? First is, one on my podcast, yeah. Is, is I, is I love that. I love that. I love being the first team roper <laughs> anywhere go. ever. Yeah. You know, it's awesome. Well, yeah. you, but you yeah. know, I did tell you um, in our pregame, I do share an injury with Dusty Tuckness, and oh, yeah. <laughs> it's something we both get from our profession. You know, his was uh, trying to save a guy who was hung up to a bull. Mine was uh, stepping off my horse in the steer roping, but uh, it's still it's the same, and it's a funny story because I tell people that all the time. Like basically, the guys that helps around the ranch, John Wayne and Asa, I talk about them a lot. But I did, I, I sprung my pinky, like it went the wrong direction, like it went completely to the right when everything was going completely to the left. And believe me, I mean, I'm 240 athletics, so we had a lot going the opposite direction of my pinky. And you wouldn't think that's that big of a deal, right? Yeah. But like, and I told my wife, I was like, wow, I said, that hurt. I said, I don't know what the heck I did. And uh, that night I was trying to take the, the cushions off my toter, yeah. right, to yeah. make my bed. And I hung that thing. I was talking to her on the phone about peed my pants right off the bat <laughs> scream she thought i was getting murdered right and i'm like this hurts i was like and it hurts so bad that you i mean i can't it's it's like getting racked repeatedly for 10 minutes and then it's like as soon as the 10 minutes is over it's done right and uh, we were at fort worth and my little girls are with me and my wife's with me and i'd actually done a, a deal with with justin boots and we had to be in the, the training room afterwards and i got a good friend evan allard who's a now aspiring steer roper as well and uh, him and Dusty, we're all walking out kind of the same time. And my little girl has a hold of my, you know, she's got a hold of my finger on each side. Like one, you know, and yeah. she kind of shoots to take off and grabs my finger and takes oh, it that no. way. Almost takes me to my knees. And Dusty's like, oh, man, what's, what's wrong with your pinky? So I'm like, man, you won't believe it. I said, it's just silly, I know. He goes, I had the same thing happen. He said, it happens a lot. When we hang him in the rope, when we're trying to get somebody hung up. And I'm like, well, mine was a little different, but... Uh, slightly slightly different but it, a little less heroic, equally as important okay. you know what <laughs> i mean and he goes man that is the most painful thing and i'm like i'm thinking you broke your leg last year at the finals you know what i mean like <laughs> all right but i see what you're going with this dusty and thank you for talking about this in front of my wife and explaining to her that i'm not a little kid like i'm not i'm not whining for no reason but it was bad then i start like a santa tone and the bad thing is, is i hit my knuckles like you know when i rope uh when I'm on my horse going fast, like things are kind of tight between me and the steer <laughs> yeah. and I'll kind of, my knuckles will roll across the rope. And I never realized that until I did it at San Antonio about three times and it would push it the wrong way. And I, my whole hand would open up and I would just lose my grip and it, it was make me start shaking. I'd get like, I'm telling you like nauseous, like it was bad. Finally <laughs> now I, I just tape them together so that at least if I hit it, 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 it doesn't stays, go the wrong direction. Yeah, but it stays the right Yeah. Way. So Dusty and I, we, we brave the world, you know, one <laughs> pinky at a time. So, 
All right, so having the responsibility of being our first team roper, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with these with this cluster of podcasts, we we had Tilden on. He was the first bareback rider, so he got to give the one hundred and one breakdown of team of bareback riding. Mm. I need you to give it for team roping. I know you're a header. Absolutely. So I, I do. I had uh, people compare us to the quarterback of the team uh, because <laughs> we're, we're the ones that make the play. And honestly, like I grew up healing, love to heal. Healing is a fun responsibility, but there's only so much that you can control. Like it's just when the ball's thrown to you, you have to catch it, right? With I know there's a lot that goes with that. I'm not taking anything away because great healers make great headers. And ultimately, like, you know, it's a big chemistry, you know, how your team works. But headers, you know, you determine a lot. Um based off of the start you get we have to deal with the barrier so when i nod i have to give the steer an allotted amount of steps before i can take off and generally speaking our run is won or lost in how good of a start that i can get makes sense so like that's where a lot of it comes down to you either fixing the win first maybe place or look at your partner and say man i swear to god next time next time it's gonna work out (laughs) i got you next time so then let's say you've gotten the good start things are rolling obviously then you have to catch um and a lot of it, you know, we have to have great horses, but that's kind of on both sides of the ball. So after we've caught, then it's our job to kind of to keep the rhythm of the turn and set it up for our partner so that he has a good, clean look at it. Because we can sure make his job a heck of a lot easier or a heck of a lot harder. Yeah. And then once he's caught, then, you know, he just ropes and he just dallies. And uh, then we got to turn around actually and face and look at him. And there's just, there's always a, an opportunity to lose a lot of time when you're heading, both at the start, how long it takes you to catch him, and then getting finished. And ultimately, we can also cost our partner losing a leg. And uh, I think the cool aspect of team roping, I think it's like any team sport, you know, any in high school and college and stuff. I love watching team sports, the way people interact. You know, you see a team that works hard and they try to be perfect in every aspect of the game, you know. And uh, I think that's what's fun about team roping is, you find a guy that is just as dedicated to it as you are. He's gone out and he's got the best horses like you've done. You know, you've gone out and got the best horses. And then you you grind together to develop your run and uh, to make it second nature. You know, and then you start yeah. learning to communicate uh, through a run that might only take three to four seconds. You yeah. know, it's, 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 a, it's a lot of fun. It's a cool thing to be a part of. And uh, I love being a header. And I, I, I switched over from healing because really the, the ceiling on healing – is you know it's every a lot, of, a lot of people can attain it you know what i mean and there's just a lot more variables that a header can control yeah. and honestly my best friend in the world jake long he was uh he was a healer i was a healer and ultimately we just wanted to rope together and he wouldn't head so i tried it but now <laughs> i mean that's i love it there's i love having control of all those variables so you've been to the nfr seven times so have you made it as a healer and no a sir i've only a header? i've only you know the only time i've really ever rodeoed i've just been heading okay i mean i took off i mean growing up over here in this part of the world you know we did a lot of amateur rodeo and you'd go to the the prca circuit rodeos you know a big trip for you was getting to go to san antonio or san angelo in the winter maybe you'd slide out to cheyenne in the summer yeah but that was kind of it you know what i mean you did yeah. circuit rodeoed and uh, the partner i had i grew up with he took me to every rope and rodeo across the you know country from the time I was probably 14, maybe, uh, he, he was just never in a situation where he was going to be able to take off and be able to try it to make the NFR. I mean, and you got to understand what a pipe dream that is for some broke kid growing up in Miami, Oklahoma. For sure, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's not something we get to do. And yeah. uh, so Jake and I, though, we were just two broke kids and and was just like, well, why not? I mean, what else let's, do we have to lose? Like, together. And, <laughs> and I just happened to get so fortunate. A good friend of mine uh, allowed me the opportunity to own a great horse, Jimmy Lawrence hooked me up with a great head horse and 
And we took off 2007 and just barely missed the finals that year. And like when we took off, we were trying to just not go broke, right? Yeah. Like we're just like, let's win enough money to get our diesel paid. And because back then you'd get paid on a Saturday and your fees are due on Tuesday. So you could work this deal a little bit, you know. And uh, anyway, so we were just trying not to go broke. And I thought, wow, that, you know, next year will definitely happen. And then it didn't for the next seven years. So yeah. <laughs> it was trying. But I've only ever tried it heading. Like I've never really took off and tried to heal. Very cool. So you just talked about the horse and how important and big that was. And I know that, and we'll get to this a little bit, but, you know, one of the opportunities we had to get to know you a little bit was actually talking to you about your horse and the importance of your horse. Can you tell tell our audience, because, again, predominantly for the most part, I think we, we have mostly a bull riding audience, but... But, you know, we're all about Western culture in general. So how important is a horse, especially to a timed event person? Oh, they're everything. I mean, at this level, everybody ropes good. You know, every header ropes good. They all know how to score. Uh, Every healer ropes good. They know how to rope two feet. And it's like, man, at this point, what separates the winners from the losers is how good a horse they're riding and how good that horse fits them. And I think that's a tough one, you know. I'm sure, and I don't know because I never did bull ride. I did aspire to when I was a kid. Like, I really wanted to, but I, I flunked out early. I mean, like, calf riding, second time, slammed on the ground, done. You know what I mean? I was like, this is, this is not for me. But uh, I, th- I think I'd rather chase them. And I think my dad actually rode bulls. And somebody, I had, somebody told me this story. He had, uh, my dad, he rode bulls and he roped. And because, like, back in the day, everybody rode bulls. Like, if you were a cowboy, you rode bulls. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, this guy walked up to him and said, Keith, I'm going to tell you something. He said, uh, I'd take that bull rope, and I would cut that up, and I would trade it for a head rope. <laughs> and so I just kind of stuck to the family motto, I think. But, cut the bull you know, rope I think that, you know, in any event in rodeo, the, the livestock's where it's at. And I think that's a big misper- you know, a misconception for a lot of people is that, you know, if you're a timed event guy or if you're a rough stock guy, you're depending on this animal to make your living, right? Yeah. And they're, they're born to do their job. And, and we respect those animals so much. Like the yeah. steer I'm going to compete on tonight, obviously my horses get pampered a lot more than I do. You know what I mean? Like especially yeah. when you marry a barrel racer, like they get a <laughs> spa treatment, massages and stuff weekly. But, you know, I, th- I think that's something that's a big misconception for people that don't grow up in the rodeo world is how important these animals are to us on both sides of the, of the arena, you know, the, both on the time event shoots and, and the bucking shoots yeah. is how important they are to us. And I think it's just – you know, my horse, my head horse, he's a difference maker for me. And, you know, I rode one tonight. I'm going to ride him. That'll, it'll be a faster setup. So I'm going to be on him. He's going to, you know, kind of be like a little sports car. Last night I was in strong city, Kansas, and I rode one that, you know, is more like a luxury vehicle. You know what I'm saying? Like they all kind of fit their own little tracks and their own little, their spots. And I think it'd be, you know, the same as if I showed up and you wouldn't really want to draw bodacious at Durant, you know, trying to, you know, make sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, like maybe tonight, you know, we don't have to go 96. Like I don't want to be on Wolfman skull. That's how old my bull riding knowledge is. There you go. It's like, I grew up watching oh, it. Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. So like Wolfman, I loved watching him yeah. every time. And like nobody ever wrote him hardly, but I mean, when they did, it was awesome. And it was just Legit. fun to watch that little yeah. sucker buck. But anyways, like there's just times maybe we don't have to have, all of that. Like maybe we could just have a nice little happy hopper tonight and, you know, <laughs> scratch, win some money. Maybe that's going to win first. You know yep. what I'm saying? Yep. And then there's sometimes when, you know, like JB Mooney used to be like, well, I'm going to pick the rankest one because you might as well be 95 if you're going to win it. Right. Like <laughs> you're going to get sometimes <laughs> you're going to have to, you know, have the, the toughest one. And so I think it's the same way with, with your horse. I mean, he makes all the difference in the world for you a lot like the draw in any of the rough stock events. For sure, man. That's awesome. Um, you, you were talking about 
the kind of the advancements in the sport and different things. And I think it's unique because with team roping, you you are a team. And I, as you probably are aware, you know, there's the team's format in the PBR, and then there's, you know, they had done the Global Cup before. What do you think about kind of the evolution of the sport in general, of, of just rodeo as a whole? You know, I can't speak to how it was back in the day, right? Yeah. But I think one thing that's changed so much in rodeo in general and is the coverage, mm-hmm. right? Like before you couldn't have listened to, you know, Larry Mahan on a podcast, yeah. right? Talking about tricks of the trade or how to do this or that. And I think now, especially like you see guys, guys are not scared to compare notes, right? There's gotten to be, I think that amount of coverage out there where we can study each other a lot. Yeah. And then that opens people up to like picking their brain and like, Hey man, how would you handle this situation? You know, yeah. or how would you do this? And yeah. you know, JB, he's one of my favorite guys to talk to. Like I saw him at Houston and we were visiting and he was talking about a bull rider that came up and talking to him. And he's like, man, I mean, he had a, a different style. He had a Brazilian style bull rope, yeah. you know, and he's like, but yeah. his style was set up. You know, like we both learn from the same guy and we're not made for those bull ropes that are so stiff. We got to be able to get over the front and roll it forward. Yeah. And, and it's awesome because it gives me the opportunity to kind of nod my head and act like I understand what he's saying <laughs> when I really don't. But, but, you know, I think that's the difference is there's yeah. a lot of, you know, there's a lot more being able to visit with each other because you're able to study so much more. I mean, of course, technologies came a long ways, right? But yeah. I think the main thing is just people are able to study each other a lot more. And I think people aren't scared to give notes, you know, and I think we all want and something I love about it is that everybody loves somebody doing something great. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, you know, you love seeing a good run, even though you've got to try to beat it. You know what I mean? You want the level of competition to come up. You want things to get better. And I think that's an awesome aspect of the Western way of life. Yeah. And I think, I think everything you're saying is, is actually really on point because y- you talked about the difference between just, you know, everybody can rope at this level, right? Everybody can ride bulls at this level. Everybody, you know, it's all about kind of those little details, the nuances and the different things. You know, one of the things that I think has been really cool about this is just kind of the way that this sport has adapted as far as these, like all these guys, all y'all are athletes. Like you're all doing something, whether, you know, because working with an animal and, you know, and being competitive and different things like that, I think there's a lot of athleticism to it. And I think there's a lot of, um, you know, there's just a lot of crossover and a lot of connection between all the, you know, all the other major sports and all these things. So I think things like the teams or things like, you know, the bigger, the bigger championships and the coverage that's out there and different things, the bigger money, I think it's just cool because it's opening the door for people to recognize the sport that rodeo actually really is. I think it's been cool too, the coverage of like how hard these people work at it, you know, Mm -hmm. like I know like on some of the team stuff, like I haven't been able to follow the PBR teams challenges as much, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think it was cool because there was a a clip I caught where, you know, a couple guys were breaking it down on how they would do this or how they would do that. And I love how, how it shows how much work goes into it because like, let's face it, man, we're from the Western world. We understand hard work, right? And we understand hard work with the possibility of not really making a profit. Mm -hmm. You know, most of us come off ranches and I think we all know how that goes when corn's high, the dollar's low and you know what I mean? Cattle are just kind of mediocre. You know what I'm saying? And, and I think we all understand that our job is still out there. You still have to go do it. Just like tonight, it might be raining, but we're going to get rained on, not rained out, you know? Yep. And there's also going to be a possibility that, that those cattle don't bring a great profit, or maybe this year was just a scratch even, and we're going to try again next year. And I think rodeo has kind of been that way, you know what I mean, coming along here. I mean, you got opportunities to win a lot. You can also go really broke, and you have to fight back and go hard. But I think it, it really 
brings it brings to the front and of everybody's you know everybody gets to see it now it's just how hard you know the american way of life like the cowboys can work yeah and they understand hard work yeah you know i loved kobe bryant one time um oh who's the dude jason he used to play at duke he's now an analyst no not tatum no he was out of the game anyways Uh, he was talking about jay 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 williams jay williams jay Jay i love it jay williams talking about how he was uh he was gonna have to guard kobe you know what i mean (laughs) and he goes to the gym early and uh He's going to practice, and Kobe's in there bouncing the ball, like already practicing. So he suits <laughs> up, and he practices on his end. Kobe's practicing. He, he said, I go hard. He goes, I take my shoes off, watch. And he goes, and Kobe stay for another 30 minutes. So after the game, when he went 50 on me, <laughs> he said, mm-hmm. I asked him, I was like, man, I saw your workout already. He goes, yeah, I saw you come in the gym, and I wanted you to know that no matter how hard you work, I was willing to go further and work harder. <laughs> I was like, man, that's, that's how Cowboys grow up. Yeah. You know, that's what we were instilled in this we were kids, and let's face it, the world could use a lot more of that right now. You know Amen what I mean? Amen to that. Yep. Amen to that. So we talked about the coverage element of it. I want to give you a few minutes to talk a little bit about the Toter Tales. Oh, you tell, bet. Tell people about your podcast and what you got going on. It's available everywhere podcasts are, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And the Toter's been down, but we still uh, – <laughs> I've done some from the ranch, but it's funner whenever I'm in the Toter home because – the whole point of that, I've had a buddy of mine, Tyler Boston. He owns a gunite business right down the road here in, um, in the Waxahachie, Texas. And uh, ERS Gunite, for all your gunite needs, check out <laughs> ERS Gunite, the founding sponsor of the Toter Tales. There you go, Tyler. That's a plug for you. But, you know, uh, the Toter Tales was mainly about bringing the behind the scenes. You know, I think people love seeing an individual, right? And it, it all started, I was actually on the way home from a roping, and I just got some Dairy Queen. I was in Mineral Wells, Texas. And I kind of wanted to know, I was trying to make it home. There's a bad ice storm coming and I was trying to figure out the route home. And uh, I said, Hey, you know, I guess that's how I call this. My toter tales. Does anybody have any advice for me on which way to go? And that's kind (laughs) of how it started. And then I'd make a clip and it started out just some short videos on Facebook and and people love that. And I tell you what was crazy was how many people come up to me now and are like, man, my wife loves you or like, Oh my, (laughs) my kid's your biggest fan. And they have no idea that I really had steers. Right. Like I'm thinking, man, I, kind of want my roping to be more predominant than it is you know, yeah. than my talking let's yeah, face it yeah. so then tyler was on me he's like man you got to have a podcast and i hadn't really ever seen him or done him or you know and uh, with the opportunity that i have with the purina uh, pregame show at the national finals getting yeah. to hang out with them and uh, luke Branquino and we interview all the contestants and you know the first year we did that deal it was kind of like uh you know, you bring somebody on stage. What do you love about Purina? What do you love about Purina? And it was kind of always the same stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we love to feed greatness. It's the best feed in the world. You know, they give us every reason they love Purina, but there are a lot of the same reasons. So finally, we kind of get into the like, you know, David Nelson's like, hey, let's go ahead and try to ask them, you know, try to get their backstory a little bit, not make it like a commercial. So yeah, you start getting, then you start hitting on some things. You know what I mean? Like, okay, well, how fast can you change your daughter's diaper? You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, <laughs> people start loving that. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of what the Toter Tales has been about. <clears throat> just the opportunity that we're on the road. You know, I, I'm away from my home probably 300 days out of the year. I'm in the Toter home most of the summer. And, and there's just, there's a lot of downtime that I'm able, I'm able to get uh, access to people that, you know, maybe some of the people aren't. And yeah. so it was never really about any fame or fortune by any means, but I just think it was fun. And anytime I do one, you know, it's big for me that I want some kid out there to see it and get inspired. Right. Yeah. And I use kids as my dynamic because when I was a kid growing up, there was nothing like this, Yeah, you know, and we craved it. 
You know, Spin to Win magazine came out one time with Jake Barnes's journal from the national finals. And it had like every day he wrote in his journal of like what he had done. And they published that. I read, I must've read it like 17 times. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And that's a lot for me because obviously I graduated college at 37, but <laughs> so I, that to me is, is in the total details. I always want to like understand the struggle's real. You know what I mean? Like I'm one of the happiest guys in the world, but I still get upset. You know what I'm saying? I still have down moments. It still doesn't go perfect. You know, it, you get on this stage where everybody thinks like, man, you're living the dream. Cause I, I know, cause I used to think that about other people. Like how could that guy ever have a bad day? Yeah. And, uh, I think it's just like in any business, just the bigger and better you get, the more stress that's involved. You know, like when we first went to the national finals, it was me and my wife and whatever family wanted to come, what didn't want to come. Now we go to the finals. It's, me and my wife, you know, Tiffany that helps us. We got her mom that comes in, my wife's mom, my mother-in-law comes out for two weeks and, you know, on her dime comes out and buys a hotel room to help us out just with the kids. We got two kids that are with us the whole time. You know I mean? Yeah. We've got, and so when all of a sudden in round six, when you hit one in the back of the head and it goes on a backwards half head, you know what I mean? And then it flips off of that into the ground. I mean, your pride falls with it too. And then in round seven, when I missed the barrier a little bit and I split the horns and it comes off and it hits the ground, then, then your heart hits the ground too. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It just, there's so much more now than what used to be. And I just want kids to understand like that happens to all of us. Like, yeah, okay. I still get nervous. You know what I mean? I still walk in the box and have to fight back the butterflies or, or I still, you know, I walk in there and have that feeling like, Oh, I might pass out. Like, Oh, I'm getting, things are kind of getting dark <laughs> here. Like woo, 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 woo. when you yeah. can hear your heart beating in the back of your your head and uh, and th but this is how i deal with it this yeah. is what i do this is a trick that worked for me and then i think anytime you can inspire somebody or just kind of any any kind of way provoke some sort of emotion yeah you know that's that's what people can relate to because Definitely. maybe somebody just needs cheered up today maybe they need to hear one little funny story that happened to me you know about getting a middle seat between two of the biggest uh, rugby players I've ever seen in my life. You know what I mean? I think it gave a person an opportunity to explore his perspective on life. You know yeah. what I mean? Because when I got settled in there, like I'm not a little fella myself and, and I was behind both their shoulders and I thought, man, there's no way if this plane crashed right now, I would be the safest person in the world. You know what I mean? Like I'm, and I think sometimes we, I'm able to give a perspective through the Toter Tales that, uh, Maybe it just brightens somebody's day. Maybe it makes a difference for them, and you know, maybe it provokes change in them. Who knows? You know what I mean? But yeah. you just want to inspire because you get a platform in life, and then you have to look back and say, okay, what are we going to do with that? Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. You you gave a little bit of a shameless plug there for your podcast, but <laughs> I I want to take a second to identify Ryan and Justin with you Red bet. Dirt Hat Co. Because that's how we got that's how we got a chance to meet you. We were doing some content for them and stuff. Talk a little bit about your relationship with the Red Dirt Hat Co. and those guys. Over yeah, there. Cameron Holt been a buddy of mine for a long time. Cameron Holt actually, uh, and he works for both Ryan and Justin, okay. uh, and that's kind of how I got to meet him. Yeah, and uh, Cameron actually drove for his cousins, the Horton brothers, maybe the most famous team roping brothers in all of Stigler, Oklahoma. <laughs> and uh, we went. He, he took me to my first college rodeo. Now, mind you, let me just set the scene here. Um, I've been taken everywhere since I was about 14 by a very responsible individual named Justin Turner. He took care of everything, right? Like I was like a kid to him. Well, now I'm just kicked out with the big boys and we're headed to yeah. Colby to the college rodeo, right? So first time I'm venturing out from underneath Papa Justin's wing, you know what I mean? He's like a big brother to me. Never let anything bad happen. We pull into Colby and I'll never forget Cameron drove the whole way. And like, he's just a funny guy. Cameron's one of my favorite people. You know, we kind of have the same sense of humor and, and uh, we pull into Colby and I'm a horse unloads and he's got a cut right under his tail and i thought oh my gosh my horse is hurt oh goodness you know <laughs> well i'm trying to make a hand but my rig and back in that in them days was a 
1996 red Suburban and a matching red two-horse single-axle trailer. And now the Hortons, they've got, you know, they've got a generator in the back of the truck. It's plugged in. And, and I, get, I get in there, and I'm trying to help. Like, I'm unhooking the trailer. I'm doing this and that. And, and I pull the truck forward, and I jerk the plug out of the generator. It's like, crap. Strike two. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, uh, Destry Graham, like, they, we had just jerked the plug out. Kyle's unloaded the generator. Now, he's fixing the plug. And Destry needed something. He's like, Coleman, jump in this pickup. Let's drive over here. Literally, leave the scene of this disaster i've caused and we drive over and grab something for him and i'm i'm the one driving his pickup and i go to back up and bam run the driver's side door into like a a little oh guard that's around the water hydrant right <laughs> and wreck the entire side of his truck so as i'm pulling up in this wrecked truck and turn to the profile kyle horton i'll never forget the look on his face him and cameron are sitting on the step fixing this this plug and they just look at me and their eyes just drop like what is he doing now you know they're like hey you get in the trailer and you don't go anywhere like you're staying here tonight you were staying in this trailer <laughs> we're locking you and you need five minutes of just not tearing stuff up so that's actually how i met cameron and uh, you know he was just a problem fixer he's all the time and so we've always joked and and uh, i've seen him across the you know different rodeos he's been with you know some other companies and and now he's kind of found his i think forever home with red dirt hats and i think our the same way our personalities go together is the same way like you know red dirt brands and and, and myself go together yeah. and they started making our hats now we're going to start selling for the toter tails and we got big plans and big ideas and that's cool it's fun to be a part of a company like that that's as down to earth as uh, as you are you know they're yeah. not um, they're a neat brand i think red dirt is something that you know texans have their brand and okies have their brand right but i think red dirt is something that brings everybody together because it means you know, it's just, it's when you think red dirt, you think of the music, you think of, you know, a lot of the times the, what the dirt was in the arenas we've all been into. And it's just a, a cool feeling. It's something we all can relate to. And, I, you know, their gear is outstanding. They made all my caps for, for the golf tournament that I had the other day. And everybody awesome. loved them. They all talk about how comfortable they are. And, yeah. and it's awesome to have somebody that takes that much pride in their product to be on the team with you. You know what I mean? And then they have a lot of pride in you. And then in return, you have a lot of pride in them. And so that's what makes a partnership work. Definitely. I can see how your personality would really mesh with Ryan and Justin. You bet. <laughs> and then I've, yeah, that's what, guys, and man. as I've gone along, I've gotten yeah. to meet, you know, both Ryan and Justin. And, and I think that's just, I love a family type brand like that. Yeah, definitely, man. So one thing that I'm curious about, just, you know, you've, you've talked a lot about your mindset and your mentality, that you're a happy guy and stuff like that. What, you know, what, mindset overall being gone 300 days a year whatever you might be um you know I, what what type of mental fortitude and just the capacity to be able to do that like how do you keep yourself happy and how do you focus oh man i think that's a great question i think ultimately that's the difference between the guys that make the national finals and the local legends you have in your hometown you know i think we've all been around the people that you know, this guy would make it if he had X, Y, or Z, right? The money, the horse, the partner, or whatever. You put him in any order. <laughs> yeah. Now, we've all had that guy. Yeah. And uh, But at the end of the day, it's like it, it's a different beast what we do. Like when you leave and you take off for Denver and you know you're not coming home until after the end of the season on September 30th, right? We bought our card with the one goal in mind of a world title. We know we're going to the national finals. Like that's not even a question, right? Because you bought that card. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's a huge thing that's changed – you know, that's what led me to my first national finals was the change in the way I looked at it. Right. Yeah. Used to, I'd be like, well, I'm gonna get my ACRA card just in case we don't make the national finals. We can go to their finals at the same time. I'll never forget the first time I told Jake, I was like, Hey, Jake Long and I were roping together again in 2014. <laughs> I said, Hey, you want to buy our ACRA cards just in case he goes, no. 
We have plans the first week of December, right? But like yep. that's a different mentality. And like you have those guys that do really good in their circles. And then you have to realize you might be two time zones away from home, right? And you don't get to go home to your home practice pen tonight. You may not get to go to a practice pen for three weeks yeah. and have to fight this battle, whatever you got going. Maybe your horse isn't scoring. Maybe your loop's not headed where you're supposed to. And you don't get to go home to your home place and practice. You don't get to go sleep in your bed tonight. You don't get to have mom's cooking tonight. And that's a huge thing. I mean, there's yeah. a lot to be said for, for back home cooking is what Jake calls it. And I think there's a great perspective there. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a job, but it's also a pleasure. And I think one thing that's changed for me a lot this year is uh, I was getting mad. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, it was getting to a point where I was getting mad. I just think with the pressures of, you know, now I've got two kids and I've got, you know, the ranch and it's just we've got stuff going on all the time and, you know, two guys on payroll at the house that, like, the reason we have them is so I can be gone rodeoing. It's like, well, if I'm not winning when I'm rodeoing, then why do we, you know what I'm saying? It's just, and uh, I started getting mad. The other day I was at Gaiman, Oklahoma, and I stayed over with my buddy Mike Shannon. We got talking a little bit about it and and left there, and I told, I went and saw uh, my Uncle Galen that night. It was like a, a, it was like, this big sweep of like I saw my Uncle Galen that night at the roping. I didn't do any good, and Mike and I just had a good visit the night before, and then my good buddy Justin Turner, I always talked to him when I need a little knowledge. And uh, it was like those three guys that just finally meshed for me. I was like, man, I'm not going to get mad. I'm done. Done yeah. being mad. I'm going to be mad. I'll go home and get a job, right? <laughs> like, I'll go home and wait tables yep. before I get mad doing this anymore. Because I think the last thing my wife wants to do is for me to pick the phone up and complain about missing a steer when she's having to work. She's worked all day. She comes home. She has two kids she has to put in bed at night. And I'm not there to help, right? Yeah. The last thing she wants to hear is about, I missed this morning in Slack, and then we went and played golf. Like, that's the last thing she wants to hear. So I'm like, I told her, so I'm done complaining. Because if I'm going to complain, I'll come home, right? Like, I'll be happy and work a nine-to-fiver. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, that's not a big deal for me. So it's, that, was, uh, that was a big eye-opening experience. And I think being able to, to, to handle the pressures in the arena is a big thing, but then the pressures that come outside the arena as well. You know, and being able to to realize this is this is a job and this is what we do for a living, but it's also a passion. And at one time, you were just chomping at the bit for an opportunity to be in this position. Does that make yeah. sense? Like I was, oh, yeah. I was praying to be count, one of the best hitters in the world, right? right? And yeah. so now that we're here, like I'm not going to take it for granted. We're going to enjoy every minute of it because I mean I'm getting older, and you never know when this when this train stops. And uh, <laughs> we were joking about it the other day. It's like you never know when when you never know when this is going to be the best run of your life, right? Like you never know when this is going to be the best rodeo you've ever had. Yeah. You never know when that's going to happen. And you also never know when it's going to be the last one you ever have. So that's true. You know, I think yeah. that's something that comes with a little age and wisdom, but yeah. for, you know, I told Tiffany, the girl that helps me last year at the finals, it was round 10. And uh, we always kind of like take five minutes and just break down whatever our steer we got, or, you know, I'll, I'll have just gotten done doing the, the, the pregame show, we've come back, and now it's kind of time to kind of click it in and start getting ready to compete. And we kind of take five minutes because you know out there you're always you're always on, always like going. you're you know always what I mean. You've going. well, you've yeah. got to be you know Coleman Proctor, the professional team roper. You know what I'm saying? You can't be talking about fishing stories with your buddies or whatever. You know what I mean? You're you have a job to do, and uh, so we take that five minutes and we're visiting. And I said, you know what's funny, Tiff? Like right now, I cannot remember one time that I was so mad and thought the world was coming to an end all all year. Like, I can't pick out. And I know there were moments. Like, I know there were times I went through spells and didn't catch or whatever they would have been. Yeah. I can't think of them right now. So, yeah. it's like, man, if I can't think of it right now, like, how small were those problems that I thought all year, right? Yeah. Like, the big molehills that I turned into mountains, like, how small were they really? 
And I just think like looking back at the end of like when I'm done rodeoing, you look back and it's, you know, you're in the golden years of your life, like this window that we have of where we've actually got to enjoy it and have fun and be the best us we could be is going to be so small that you better enjoy it while it's here. Definitely. Definitely. What a speaking of kind of that future and the train. I got deep in a hurry, moving. didn't it? I didn't mean for it to get did. quite it that deep. deep. I apologize. It, it got deep, but it actually, you know, created a segue. Cause Heck yeah, you you're know. welcome. <laughs> so, you know, thinking about, the the rest of your career and kind of the, you're moving forward for you what are kind of those future plans goals different things what are some of the things that are still left you want to achieve i want to enter the timed event after i'm done rodeoing for a living and people ask me all the time because i head and i heel i trip steers i rope calves in high school or in college and stuff and i tried bulldogging in, in high school it almost ended my roping career people don't know that and they're always like when are you going to enter the timed event and i'm like man the cinch timed event championships happens right out here you know, the Lazy E Arena, yep, Cody Dozier yep. this year was the first Okie to ever win it, yep. you know, which is a big accomplishment of all the great champions we've had go through there. And it's kind of like the Iron Man of, of rodeo, right? Except you don't have to ride a bull or a bronc or anything. <laughs> but anyways, so I've always wanted to enter it. Yeah. But it's just now looking at, you know, it doesn't make, it doesn't make fiscal sense to enter it while you're trying to rodeo for a living. So I'm going to enter that when I'm done, depending on roping for a living, right? Very cool. Is yeah. my career. So I always talk to, I said, yeah, when I'm about 42. And honestly, I got a good friend, Jess Tierney, that enters and I'm his, I'm his helper. So I'm his guy. So I was like, well, I guess when Jess retires, then I'll try to enter. But <laughs> so I'm going to do that. And then one day, like you'll never see me again. And I'll be waiting tables at Los Cocos Mexican restaurant, the best Mexican food you'll get in all of Mace County. And uh, I'll have a 1973 Chevelle. I have a set of golf clubs in the trunk, right? <laughs> And uh, I will have a tripping horse, and I'll heal it only at the rodeos that I can trip at. That makes sense, like that yeah. I can make work. Yeah. And I'll go rodeo, and we'll have fun. We'll play all the cool golf courses. Like I'll enter Salinas, just so I can go play Pebble Beach. May not even enter. Like I may not even compete at the rodeo. I might just give me an excuse to go out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then just like you know what, I'm kind of having the round of my life. We'll just lope him at Slack. Like you know what I'm saying? Like. We'll just wait on that. Well, yeah. there'll be another one tomorrow, but that'll be my goal one day, I think. That's cool. Right. That's cool. Well, man, uh, I'd love to keep going, but we got some fan questions we got to dive in. You on. bet. And I will do a lot of schools. I love doing schools. I think that's important. Like I do schools yeah. when I'm home now, a lot of private lessons. Okay. Uh, I like helping the next generation. Yeah, go ahead. For sure. No, Fire it off. Fan all right. questions. All right, fan questions, number one. This is from Trey Holston. Trey Holston. Here we go. I know that guy. He said, Thoughts on being an elite roper outside of the state of Texas. What keeps you in Oklahoma versus Texas? <laughs> well, I tell you what's funny is everybody thinks I – my partner, he lives in Stephenville. Like, that's what they all do. They all go to Stephenville. But here's my thing, right? They all ride for their home states at the national finals. Like Travis Graves is not riding for Texas. He rides for Oklahoma. Jake yeah. Long lives in Texas. He rides for Kansas, yeah. right? Okay. Logan Medlin lives in Texas, rides for New Mexico. Yeah. So I'm at least the guy that's true to my form, right? And I've always said, you know, I visit Texas. I live in Oklahoma. I'm a, I'm a diehard Okie, 100%. <laughs> like, I, I was a kid growing up, and I couldn't imagine leaving the state, like, for any amount of time. Unless it was to open, then come right back. Like, I didn't. Like, what's, what can be so much better than this? Yeah. You know what I mean? That's cool. And, uh, no, I love Oklahoma. We got a big, we got, uh, not a big ranch. It's a big ranch to us. It's a, it's a big pain sometimes, but <laughs> we got a ranch. We run about 250 mama cows and uh, between us and my mother-in-law and 
and uh, we kind of got to take care of all that responsibilities. We joke about it a lot. Like my wife, she'd like to go to Arizona one year once she retires and, you know, hang out there through the winter. And, and I love Montana. It's probably the prettiest place in all the world. Red Lodge, Montana is the prettiest place you can ever be on the 4th of July. Yeah. So there's cool places like that that rodeos afforded me the opportunity to, to travel to, but home will always be Oklahoma. Very cool. Um, Rowdy asks, are there any guests that you want to have on your podcast but haven't? Man, yes. Okay, so the other day, <laughs> it's a great one. Uh, I may even have to come up with a Toter Tales after dark. You know what I'm saying? Like where, <laughs> where you tuck like, the kids in. <laughs> the listen. kids in bed. It's time to get over their head. You know what I mean? I've already got the, I swear one day I just need the job where you name stuff or you come up with slogans, right? Like that's how my mind works. But anyways, uh, I'll, I'm going to have Ken Bailey on there and that might be running the, I mean, anybody that's from Oklahoma knows what a legend that man is. And they also know how funny he is and the stories he has, you know what I'm saying? I think Joe Beaver would be fun to get on there talking about like the old days, like when he first got started, you know, he was, he was big, I guess. And I didn't know this till just the other day. And I actually got to confirm it last night. So here's your little Joe Beaver insider coming to you live from the tough draw podcast. So had it not been for the IPRA fining him $200, and taking away his points, he may have never bought his PRCA card. Think about that. So in like 19, whatever it was, 85 or 84, it was right there at the end of September. The IPRA kicks him out because he had both cards or a a permit in the PRCA. And it made him mad, and he just went on to the PRCA with anyone Rookie of the Year and the World in the same year and becomes the legendary Joe Beaver, right? Imagine if that never happened. Because that's what they were talking about back in the day, the IPRA, you could make a lot of money. Yeah. doing that staying closer to home not spending all of it and then it wasn't you know it wasn't the lure of it is now and For sure so that was a lot of fun i was so yes there are several guests i'd like to have and some guys that I, and i'm gonna have some guys that i grew up with you know austin myers PBR yeah. bull rider he's yeah, turned into a horse massage sure. man like absolutely i used to pull his rope in the high school rodeos and when he first started going out of the ira rodeos so i might have some cool ones come on there i don't know i'd kind of like to know who the people want to see yeah I get hung up talking to steer ropers a lot because steer ropers are fun people to talk to, you know, and we have a lot of time at those slacks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, Our last question comes from Sarah. And hey, this actually fits with what you just said about coming up with slogans and stuff. Here we go. It says, what's your one sentence mission statement for your life? Mm. (laughs) Man, that's a great one. You know, in 4-H when I was a kid, the motto was to make the best better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I think it would either be something like to meet the, to, uh, to make like the mediocre more efficient or, <laughs> or uh, to, make, to make the impossible obtainable. There you go. I think that would be the best I one. I think that's a little more positive. Right? <laughs> Both of them are positive. Depends how you look at it. Well, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. to meet the eight, to, if you're mediocre and you're all of a sudden more efficient, you've gained. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, I think that's what it'd be. Make cool. the impossible attainable. I mean, just like tonight, I had a buddy. I was at Slack at Hugo the other day. Need to buy two new tires, right? Mm-hmm. And but I don't have time to go. And like my tire shops around the house. Like we're not a buddy of mine, Bryce Segoda. He used to live right over there by me. Now he's moved south. He has a tire shop. And I'm like, hey, bud. I was like, hey, you got a tire shop? I was like, find me these tires. He's like, you bet. <laughs> Gets them to the barbecue trailer, running as tires. If you ever get a chance, Boswell, Oklahoma. Hooks me up, like calls me. He's like, hey, dude, found the two tires you need. I will have them at the barbecue trailer at Durant. He knows I love barbecue, right? Like yeah. what customer service we're talking about? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like make the impossible obtainable. That would be the mission statement for my life. Awesome. Well, 
like I said, starting out, I knew this was going to be a fun, wild ride. I don't think I've laughed this much on a podcast, so thank you for that. You bet. No, it's been a lot of fun. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. I think anytime you have an opportunity uh, to get your voice out there in front of people, you know what I mean? It's a, uh, it's a brave and a noble thing. Yeah. And uh, I think anytime you give as much coverage to any side of the rodeo arena as you're doing, it's, uh, it's awesome for all of us. And so we appreciate you and all the hard work you're doing for thanks, sure. Man. And thanks for setting it up here at the Choctaw Casino where I walked in and hit the money bags because I had a feeling. Turns Heck out yeah. I took a Pepsi AC. That was just heartbreaking. <laughs> we might try them out again. <laughs> well, thank you for all that, man. And thank you again so much for being here. Um, and thank you all for listening and to the Lane Frost brand for sponsoring these podcasts for 2023. Without that support that Stetson gives, we couldn't do what we love doing here for y'all. Make sure and go to lanefrost.com for merch and all things Lane Frost, along with all of their social platforms. And remember to use the code TDT15 to save 15% on your orders. And as Coleman just said, thank you again to Choctaw Casino and Resorts for hosting us. Coleman, what are your social media handles where people can follow along with you? Oh, man, I, that's a great question. I know I got a fan page on on Facebook and an Instagram, like at Proctor Coleman, I think it is. Uh, the Toter Tales has a podcast, or I mean, has a TikTok. Yep. And uh, and then it has its own Facebook page. So if you, you know, check it out. Just uh, There's not a whole lot of Toter Tales stuff out there. I get leery about shipping all of my handles out there because now I've started getting, yeah. I don't know if I've passed like the X amount of followers that you get the <laughs> weirdest like messages, yeah. you know what I mean? But I'm starting to get to that point. So, yeah. But check us out, Toter Tales. <laughs> on uh, on facebook and all that awesome and also follow along with us on social media at tough draw and at tough draw talks for more episodes of our podcast as we continue to bring y'all closer to the rodeo community until next time everyone enjoy the ride